Shut up and sit down. Hey there, I'm Paul, and this is my voice. Hey, welcome to Paul's Voice. Well, since me and my family have moved to south, southeastern Idaho, got a lot of new experiences going on. Um, you know, in my 23 years of driving, I've hauled many things. I've hauled coal, I've hauled, hauled trash, concrete. Uh, I drove for Pepsi, hauled Pepsi products. I've hauled uh, frozen food, fresh food. I hauled one pallet of grandma's cookies from Orem, Utah up to Wisconsin. One pallet. I've hauled mag- magnetic tape. I've hauled potatoes. And now I get to haul, I, I get to add cattle to the list and kids. <laughs> I recently helped a neighbor uh, haul cattle down to his ranch in, in California in Bakersfield. We hauled probably somewhere between three and 400 head uh, down to Bakersfield for the winter where they can calve easier and have an easier time to feed them and water them. Quite an interesting experience. And now I'm driving a school bus. One more thing to add to the list of cargo that I've hauled. Well, in the meantime, I'm also working on a lot of audio stuff. Um, I'm Still waiting on approval for the book Cherished, which is part of the Cutters Creek series by Vivi Holt. Still working on The Church at Third and Main by Regquist. And I'm also going to start another book called The Book of Stars by Rodney Comstock. Pretty interesting tale uh, and a little bit of a twist on The Three Wise Men. I'm also doing some audio work for a place called Radio Archives. Look them up online. Look them up on Facebook. They do a lot of old-time radio stuff. And what I'm doing for them is I'm helping them uh, narrate and put into audio format pulp magazines. Pulp magazines were um, literary entertainment printed on what was called pulp paper. And it was called that because it was made from wood pulp, which was a lot cheaper than what they would print magazines or books on. So it was just a cheap way to get a lot of uh, entertainment out there. Um, and I've done seven, seven little things for them so far. Three stories and three short stories and uh, two, two other short stories. The first one was for a magazine called Golden West. And it was stories from the golden age of the Western culture, I guess. Horse wrangling, uh, uh, cowboys, cowboys in the movies, things like that. The second one was from a magazine called Air War. 
So look up Radio Archives on Facebook and online and watch for those pulp magazines to come out and become available. All right. For this episode of Paul's Voice, I decided to record a story from Rudyard Kipling. And it's called How the Leopard Got His Spots. This story was originally uh, published, pardon me, (laughs) in a uh, collection of children's animal fables called Just So Stories. It was published in 1902 by Rudyard Kipling. Just an entertaining little story that explains how the Ethiopian got his skin color and how the leopard got his spots. Hope you enjoy it. How the Leopard Got His Spots by Rudyard Kipling In the days when everybody started fair, best beloved, the leopard lived in a place called the High Veldt. Remember, it wasn't the Low Veldt, or the Bush Veldt, or the Sour Veldt, but the exclusively bare, hot, shiny High Veldt, where there was sand and sandy-colored rock, and exclusively tufts of sandy yellow grass. The giraffe and the zebra, and the eland and the kudu, and the hartebeest lived there, and they were exclusively sandy yellow brownish all over. But the leopard, he was the exclusivest, sandiest, yellowest, brownest of them all, a grayish, yellowish, catty-shaped kind of beast. And he matched the veldt, to one hair. This was very bad for the giraffe and the zebra, and the rest of them, for he would lie down by exclusively yellowish, grayish, brownish stone or a clump of grass, and when the giraffe or the zebra, or the eland, or the kudu, or the bushbuck, or the bontebuck came by, he would surprise them out of their jumpsome lives. He would indeed. And also, there was an Ethiopian with bows and arrows, exclusively grayish, brownish, yellowish man he was then, who lived on the high veldt with the leopard. And the two used to hunt together, the Ethiopian with his bows and arrows, and the leopard exclusively with his teeth and claws, till the giraffe and the eland and the kudu and the quagga and all the rest of them didn't know which way to jump, best beloved. They didn't indeed. After a long time, things lived forever so long in those days, they learned to avoid anything that looked like a leopard or an Ethiopian. And bit by bit, the giraffe began it, because his legs were the longest. They went away from the high veldt. They scuttled for days and days, till they came to a great forest, exclusively full of trees and bushes and stripy, speckly, patchy, blatchy shadows and there they hid. And after a long time, what was standing half in the shade and half out of it, and what with the slippery, slidey shadows of the trees falling on them, the giraffe grew blotchy, and the zebra grew stripy, and the eland and the kudu grew darker, with little wavy gray lines on their backs, like bark on a tree trunk. And so, though you could hear them and smell them, You could very seldom see them, and then only when you knew precisely where to look. They had a beautiful time in the exclusively speckly, spickly shadows of the forest. While the leopard and the Ethiopian 
ran about over the exclusively grayish, yellowish, reddish high veldt outside, wondering where all their breakfast and their dinners and their teas had gone. At last, they were so hungry that they ate rats and beetles and rock rabbits, the leopard and the Ethiopian, and then they met Bevian, the dog-headed barking baboon, who is quite the wisest animal in all of South Africa. Said Leopard to Bavian, and it was a very hot day, Where has all the game gone? And Bavian winked. He knew. Said the Ethiopian to Bavian, Can you tell me the present habitat of the aboriginal fauna? That meant just the same thing, but the Ethiopian always used long words. He was a grown-up. And Bevian winked. He knew. Then said Bevian, The game has gone into other spots, and my advice to you, Leopard, is to go into other spots as soon as you can. And the Ethiopian said, That is all very fine, but I wish to know whither the aboriginal fauna has migrated. Then said Bevian, The aboriginal fauna has joined the aboriginal flora because it was high time for a change. And my advice to you, Ethiopian, is to change as soon as you can. That puzzled the leopard and the Ethiopian, but they set off to look for the aboriginal flora, and presently, after ever so many days, they saw a great, high, tall forest full of tree trunks, all exclusively speckled and sprottled and spottled, dotted and splashed, and slashed and hatched and cross-hatched with shadows. Say that quickly aloud, and you will see how very shadowy the forest must have been. What is this? said the leopard. This is so exclusively dark, and yet so full of little pieces of light. I don't know, said the Ethiopian, but it ought to be the aboriginal flora. I can smell giraffe, and I can hear giraffe. But I can't see giraffe. That's curious, said the leopard. I suppose it is because we have just come in out of the sunshine. I can smell zebra, and I can hear zebra. But I can't see zebra. Wait a bit, said the Ethiopian. It's a long time since we've hunted them. Perhaps we've forgotten what they were like. Fiddle, said the leopard. I remember them perfectly on the high veldt, especially their marrow bones. Giraffe is about seventeen feet high, of exclusively fulvous, golden yellow, from head to heel. And zebra is about four and a half feet high, of exclusively grey fawn colour, from head to heel. Um, said the Ethiopian, looking into the speckly, spickly shadows of the aboriginal flora forest. Then they ought to show up in this dark place like ripe bananas in a smokehouse. But they didn't. The leopard and the Ethiopian hunted all day, and though they could smell them and hear them, they never saw one of them. For goodness sake, said the leopard at tea time, let us wait till it gets dark. This daylight hunting is a perfect scandal. So they waited till dark, and then the leopard heard something breathing sniffily in the starlight that fell all stripy through the branches, and he jumped at the noise, and it smelt like zebra, and it felt like zebra, 
and when he knocked it down, it kicked like zebra. But he couldn't see it, so he said, Be quiet, oh you person without any form. I'm going to sit on your head till morning, because there is something about you that I don't understand. Presently he heard a grunt and a crash and a scramble, and the Ethiopian called out, I've got a thing, and I can't see. It smells like giraffe, and it kicks like giraffe, but it hasn't any form. Don't you trust it, said the leopard. Sit on its head till the morning, same as me. They haven't any form, any of them. So they sat down on them hard till bright morning time, and then leopard said, What have you at your end of the table, brother? The Ethiopian scratched his head and said, It ought to be exclusively a rich, fulvous, orange tawny from head to heel, and it ought to be giraffe, but it is covered all over with chestnut blotches. What have you at your end of the table, brother? And the leopard scratched his head and said, It ought to be exclusively a delicate grayish fawn, and it ought to be zebra, but it is covered all over with black and purple stripes. What in the world have you been doing to yourself, zebra? Don't you know that if you were on the high veldt, I could see you ten miles off? You haven't any form. Yes, said the zebra. But this isn't the high veldt, can't you see? I can now, said the leopard. But I couldn't all yesterday. How is it done? Let us up, said the zebra, and we will show you. They let the zebra and the giraffe get up, and zebra moved away to some little thorn bushes, where the sunlight fell all stripy, and giraffe moved off to some tallest trees, where the shadows fell all blotchy. Now watch, said the zebra and the giraffe. This is the way it's done. One, two, three, and where's your breakfast? Leopard stared, and Ethiopian stared. But all they could see were stripy shadows and blotched shadows in the forest, but never a sign of zebra and giraffe. They had just walked off and hidden themselves in the shadowy forest. Hi, hi, said the Ethiopian. That's a trick worth learning. Take a lesson by a leopard. You show up in this dark place like a bore of soap in a coal scuttle. Ho, ho, said the leopard. Would it surprise you very much to know that you show up in this dark place like a mustard plaster on the sack of coals? Well, calling names won't catch dinner said the Ethiopian. The long and the little of it is that we don't match our backgrounds. I'm going to take Bavian's advice. He told me I ought to change. And as I've nothing to change except my skin, I'm going to change that. What to? said the leopard, tremendously excited. To a nice working blackish brownish color with a little purple in it and touches of slaty blue. It will be the very thing for hiding in hollows and behind trees. So he changed his skin then and there, and the leopard was more excited than ever. He had never seen a man change his skin before. But what about me, he said, when the Ethiopian had worked his little last finger into his fine new black skin. You take Bavian's advice, too. He told you to go into spots. So I did, said the leopard. I went into other spots as fast as I could. I went into this spot with you, and a lot of good it has done me. Oh, said the Ethiopian, Bavian didn't mean spots in South Africa. 
he meant spots on your skin. What's the use of that, said the leopard. Think of giraffe, said the Ethiopian, or if you prefer stripes, think of zebra. They find their spots and stripes give them perfect satisfaction. Um, said the leopard, I wouldn't look like zebra, not forever so. Well, make up your mind, said the Ethiopian, because I'd hate to go hunting without you. But I must if you insist on looking like a sunflower against a tarred fence. All take spots, then, said the leopard. But don't make them too vulgar big. I wouldn't look like giraffe, not forever so. I'll make them with the tips of my fingers, said the Ethiopian. There's plenty of black left on my skin still. Stand over. Then the Ethiopian put his five fingers close together. There was plenty of black left on his new skin still and pressed them all over the leopard. And wherever the five fingers touched, they left five little black marks, all close together. You can see them on any leopard's skin you like, best beloved. Sometimes the fingers slipped, and the marks got a little blurred. But if you look closely at any leopard now, you will see that there are always five spots off five fat black fingertips. Now you are a beauty! said the Ethiopian. You can lie out on the bare ground and look like a heap of pebbles. You can lie out on the naked rocks and look like a piece of pudding stone. You can lie out on a leafy branch and look like sunshine sifting through the leaves. And you can lie right across the center of a path and look like nothing in particular. Think of that and purr. But if I'm all this, said the leopard, why didn't you go sporty too? Oh, plain black's best, said the Ethiopian. Now, come along, and we'll see if we can get even with Mr. One, Two, Three, Where's Your Breakfast? So they went away and lived happily ever afterward, best beloved. That is all. Oh, now and then you will hear grown-ups say, Can the Ethiopian change his skin, or the leopard his spots? I don't think even grown-ups would keep on saying such a silly thing if the leopard and the Ethiopian hadn't done it once, do you? But they will never do it again, best beloved. They are quite contented as they are. All right, I hope you enjoyed that story. That was kind of a fun little story, and I hope you enjoyed my, my performance. I tried a little accent there. I'd appreciate it if you'd visit my website and leave me some comments or find me on Facebook at Paul's Voice on Facebook. Let me know what you thought of the performance. If you got some stories that you'd like to hear me narrate, um, drop me a line. Go to my website at www.paulsvoice.me and go to the contact tab and let me know what you what you'd like to hear. If you if you'd like something you'd like me to narrate for you in a story. It's got to be something that I'm not crossing any copyright issues with. Um, I can't just take anybody's work. <laughs> a lot of the stories that I've done so far on this podcast have been things that are in the public domain, things that don't have any copyright issues any longer because they <laughs> were published long ago. Sometimes that's some of the best literature. But anyway, check out my website at www.paulsvoice.me keep in contact with what I'm doing next, the stories that I'm working on, and you'll find links to where you can buy the books that I've done. 
Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you taking your time to check out this podcast. Until the next time, see ya. You've been listening to Paul's Voice. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate your listening to the stories. Catch me on www.paulsvoice.me. All the music on Paul's voice comes from bensound.com. Thanks, Ben Sound, for the music.